morning, Punky Peeps. I'm your host, Angela Bowen, and welcome to another episode of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. Today I have a special treat for you because today I'm, I am reviewing not one, but two Punky Brewster episodes. That's right. Season 1, episodes 15 and 16, Henry Falls in Love, parts 1 and 2, which aired on January 27th and February 3rd of 1985. So, did everyone have a good week and weekend? Mine was decent. Uh, last week at work, we got some new fatigue mats, which we stand on. Um, you know, it's nice they were replaced because the old ones... I was told I couldn't get uh, use a second mat, which I had gotten one from Home Depot, just something small, uh, you know, extra cushion under my feet and everything. Unfortunately, I wasn't allowed to use it uh, um, because it's a, a tripping hazard, which, you know, I understand that and stuff, but it felt nice to be able to have that extra cushion because at the end of eight hours of standing in one spot... My feet, especially my heels, ache so bad. So, um, it's a nice smaller mat. It's got a little bit of cushion absorption, which is nice. It also makes it easier at the end of the night when we clean up, because I'm... So, that works out. Um, let's see. Yesterday for dinner, Jeremy and I tried out a new recipe. It was honey Dijon pork chops, where we uh, put uh, pork chops in Dijon honey mustard and then rolled them in breadcrumbs for him, and then I rolled mine in some cornflake crumbs, which I guess you can just get a box of those at the store. Um... Sad to say, they weren't the greatest at honey Dijon. I think we... I. When I rolled it in it, it really, the Dijon was really overpowering, I felt. The night before, Jeremy and I made um, cornflake-covered chicken, boneless, skinless uh, chicken tenderloins, which were really, really good, because we put them in some sour cream and then rolled them in the cornflake crumbs, sorry. And they're really good, and just as I was eating, I only ate one of mine. I ended up throwing my other uh, pork chop away, because I couldn't do it. Those things were pretty hefty. They were pretty big, and we each only had two. Jeremy was able to finish his, but I I even said as I'm eating it, it's like, eh, we should have probably used the sour cream on these instead of this, but it's a learning experience. Okay, let's get on with the rest of Let's see here. Uh, I have been listening to two new podcasts this week. Both are movie review related. One is called Jarrett Goes to the Movies. And the guy who does the podcast is the lead singer of the band Bowling for Soup, who I'd never heard of, but he plays clips of his songs on his podcast episodes. The other podcast is called Three Day Rental, and it is awesome as well. You should check them out. On Friday, Quinn had to go to the vet to get her yearly blood analysis, so next week I'll call, and hopefully she got good results. In the fall, she has to get her rabies and booster shots, so of course, like always during this visit, she acted like a feral cat, 
So when I brought her home, I put her in her room and I unzipped her carrier, which then she just jumped out and then she dashed upstairs. I gave her some time to calm down. Then after a couple hours, she came down the stairs by herself. I put my hand down in front of her for her to sniff. You know, I wasn't going to straight out, like, pet her. Because I didn't know if she was going to lunge. I know it's kind of dumb to be scared of your cat. But when she's like that, like I said, she's a completely different cat entirely. Um, she even let, she even rolled over for a belly rub, which is a good sign. So, she didn't hiss at me. She didn't lunge at me, which was very good. Also, on Saturday, I had to take my car in to get four new tires, an alignment, and a new air filter. So now my car is all set for our trip next month to D.C. I also got some safety glasses, which my work covers like 50 bucks. So I end up just having to pay like 100 which I know is a lot for safety glasses. But it's like, I'm just wearing these plastic lenses right now, and it's things are blurry. So I need to be able to see. Um, luckily the hundred bucks is actually just taken out of my paycheck, which isn't bad. So yeah, I'm excited about that. And, uh, since, uh, when I went, it was probably around ten something. So I had to go to Meyer right there and nab a couple things. And then after that, I'm like, well, KFC is like right up the road. And I asked Jeremy, I'm like, hey, you want me to go grab you a famous bowl for lunch? So I went there and... I was like uh, 10 minutes before. It's a, one of those buildings where it's a Taco Bell and a KFC. So I just like placed my order and you know I just had to wait like 10 minutes till they opened and they could make my food. So I got a Miss Famous Bowl and then I also got one of those new uh, Zinger sandwiches which was really really good. Alright well before we get into the episodes, I do have some Punky Brewster trivia for you that actually pertains to both episodes. Excuse me. Henry Warnemont's love interest in this episode, Maggie McCleary, is played by Alin Ann McCleary. Hey, oh, that's kind of cool. Her uh, last name's like a real last name. Um... Was George, she was George Gaines' second wife in real life. George Gaines and Alain Ann McCleary were married from December 20th, 1953 until his death on February 15th, 2016. Also, in the second episode, we see Mino Palouse, who plays Zack, who is the homeless boy that Punky encounters. Spoiler. He is Soleil Moonfry's half-older brother in real life, which is really awesome. So we got some relatives in there. So, all right, guys. Here's an episode summary for Season 1, Episode 15, Henry Falls in Love, Part 1. Love is in the air for Henry. One day while working in his studio, Henry is visited by a woman in need of a passport photo who looks strangely familiar. When he does recognize her, it's like no time has passed at all. She is his longtime sweetheart, high school sweetheart, Maggie. The woman he was going to propose to the night Pearl Harbor was attacked in December of 1941. The next day, he was shipped off and they lost touch. Can they rekindle that old flame? What will Punky think of the new woman in Henry's life? Is three really a crowd? 
Listen to find out. Alright guys, let's jump into this episode. Now, the episode opens, we're actually outside of Henry's studio, and we see this fancy car roll up in front, and a chauffeur gets out. Inside, we see Punky sweeping the floor as the chauffeur walks in. Why does he look like he's dressed as a Civil War enactor? That's, I mean, he's, for the 80s, you know, they wear their button down their hat, but his he's got, like, buttons running up and down each side of his his suit jacket there, and it's like, hey, it looks like a Civil War, I don't know. <laughs> Punky apologizes, oh, uh, Punky doesn't notice this man until she sweeps the debris and papers up onto his shoes. Whoops. Punky apologizes and asks if she can help him, and he tells her that depends as he pulls a cloth from his pocket to clean off his shoes. Who might you be? <laughs> I might be Cindy Lopper, she jokes, but I'm not. I'm Punky Brewster. Henry comes out of the back and asks if he can help the man. One can hope. Oh, he says, one can but hope. I don't know. The way he did it, this guy sounds like a stuck-up jerk. Henry tells, uh, he tells Henry that his employer is waiting in the car and she's in need of a passport photograph. He looks at Henry and asks if he will be able to take one. Henry walks over, looks through the blinds on the door, peering out, and then looks at the man and says, Not from this angle. She'll have to come inside, he informs the man. The chauffeur goes outside to get his employer, but not before muttering working class humor. Punky peeks out the blinds and mentions the limo outside and Henry asks who and asks Henry who he thinks it might be. Henry grumbles that it's probably some old dowager who'll soon expire before her passport photo as he moves a stool for her to sit on in front of the backdrop. The woman comes in, very nicely dressed, I might add. Looks to be about Henry's age, somewhere in her 60s. She smiles and tells him how kind he is to take her on such short notice. And then Henry looks up and she sees him and she stops mid-sentence. Henry's speechless at first, just looks at Maggie, then his eyes light up in recognition. As he calls out in surprise. Maggie? She looks at him. Henry? They repeat this and refer to each other by their pet names. Henry calls her Snuggums and she calls him Boo Boo as they embrace. Aww, my heart is bursting right now, you know, when I was watching this. They were each other's first loves when they were probably 18. Even though later on Henry met and married Claudia, who died a year after they were married, to see his eyes light up when he sees Maggie, it's like no time has passed at all. And they're teenagers again, young and in love. Alright, guys, I'm gonna play the this little clip of their little meet cute. It's so adorable. I, I just, I love it. So I'm gonna play it for you. Alright, I'll be right back. Good afternoon. How very kind of you to take me on such short notice. Maggie? Henry. Maggie! Henry! Snuggums! Boo boo! <laughs> Snuggums? Boo boo? <laughs> the chauffeur says, Snuggums, and looks at Punky. 
who says <laughs> boo boo <laughs> and she covers her mouth giggling um punky walks all over to them and henry introduces her to maggie she say she shakes maggie's hand and tells her it's a pleasure to meet you and henry informs punky that he and maggie were high school sweethearts way back in 19 and maggie just kind of puts her hand up to stop him saying just say a while ago the chauffeur tells her that they're due to be at an event in an hour, and she scolds him, telling him, I believe she said Jeffrey, not to rush her, that he's worse than her late husband. So her late husband was kind of a jerk. Confused, Punky asks her husband, um, asks, um, did her husband forget his watch? Is that why he's late? She, Maggie smiles down at Punky. She corrects her by saying, No, dear, he passed away several years ago. Punky says, Oh, I'm sorry. Henry tells Maggie if she'll step over to the stool that can get started on her picture. She sits down in front of the backdrop and asks Henry if he ever married. Punky lets her know Henry's wife is late, too, and she says, Oh. But then she realizes... You know, for a second she, oh, and then she's realizes what it means. Kind of looks at Henry and like, oh, oh, I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. Henry brings in a second light so he can, as he tells Maggie, he wants to bring out the blue in her eyes as she's re using her compact mirror to check her reflection. She tells him that she's been on the go all day, must look a fright, and Henry compliments at her on how she's as beautiful as the first day he saw her as he snaps her picture. Punky turns to the photographer to the photographer and tells the chauffeur What the heck did I just write here? Um she turns to the chauffeur and says how Henry is the best photographer in the whole world. And he mutters, I doubt he's, a, he's the best photographer on this block. This guy is a dang jerk. I hope she fires him and hires someone nicer. She deserves nicer. Punky looks at him with a sour look on her face. Like, yeah, this guy can get lost already. Henry tells Maggie he'll have them ready for her tomorrow, and she informs him she needs them today because she's leaving for Europe tomorrow. Wow, she's a world traveler. That's so cool. Then he tells her, for a dear friend, he'll have them ready for her when he closes at 6. The chauffeur butts in saying, it's no good. She'll be at the Van Flutes. Maggie suggests that she'll stop by his home later that evening to pick them up, to which he happily replies, That'll be fantastic! Aww, he's over the moon for her. It's so cute! Punky hands Maggie a card with their address, and she tells them she'll stop by around 8, and then she leaves. Punky peeks out the door blinds and then turns to Henry and tells him she really... he. She really likes her and can tell that Henry does too. He asks her what gives her that idea and she says, well, ever since Maggie got there, he's been holding it in his stomach. Henry tells her that's silly as he hands the, her the photos and tells her to put them in the dark room so he can develop them later. 
and she skips off. He checks to see if anyone's looking and lets out his stomach, breathing a sigh of relief. Back at the apartment, Punky's doing the dishes as Henry stands next to her drying a dish. And she tells him he's getting behind. There's a lot more dishes to be done. And he breaks out in a song. Punky looks at him and asks, Henry, what's with you? He asks her what she's talking about. And she says, when you normally wash dishes, you look like this. And she sticks out her bottom lip in a frown. This is the first time you've ever broken out into song. You know what? I, I definitely feel for him. I gotta do the dishes. I, I gotta do the dishes today because I put them off yesterday because I had already done the dishes from the previous day during lunch. So I'm like, I'm not doing dishes twice in a row. So, yeah. Nope, not doing them. Alright, sorry guys. I had to go and put a, uh, a charger on my laptop because the screen was like going to black and all this stuff. It's like, okay, let's get you charged. He Okay, Henry tells Punky he guesses he's in a good mood. And she smiles saying she knows the reason and her name is Maggie. He tells her that's nonsense. And she says, admit it, Henry, she pops your cork. He tells her she used to a long time ago. And he throws a dish rag over her face and she pulls it off and follows him out into the living room. She asks him, you know, what happened with him and Maggie? And he tells her, well, they were very much in love. So much that he was actually planning to propose to her with a very romantic candlelight dinner for two at Luigi's, an Italian restaurant. Punky asks if... He asked her to to marry him, and he says, well, he didn't get the chance. Right after the Anapesto, war broke out. War? Punky asked, confused. Yes, Pearl Harbor was bombed. I was like, oh, no. So he must have been proposing on the night that they that happened? The next day, he enlisted in the Navy, and he and Maggie eventually lost track of each other. So... Maybe did they write letters to each other and it just turned into, uh, you know, he moved all over the place and she kind of went to school and became a world traveler, got married, stuff like that kind of thing. I mean, she didn't say anything about having any children, so... Punky, being ever the hopeless romantic, tells Henry he can start all over again and pick up where they left off. He tells her that he and Maggie have changed too much. Well, and I, I can understand. I mean, when they first got together, they are like 18. So it's been probably over 40 years. Yeah, people, they can change. You know, she got married. He got married to someone else. She be inherited money, I guess, maybe from her husband, and, you know, she's a world traveler, so, and he's got Punky to take care of now, so, yeah, you know, they're, they're different, a lot of things have changed, so, let's see if they have that spark, so I said, Henry, do I need to hold up Noah and Allie from the notebook as an example of elderly couples still in love? And how they came together later in life and still managed to make it work. 
even though later on, spoiler alert, she does have uh, Alzheimer's dementia, which is very, very sad. But he still loves her and stands by her through everything, which is beautiful. Now, Maggie's a wealthy woman of the world living the life of luxury. And here I sit on the ugliest Afghan I've ever seen. Henry looks around the room, criticizing everything. The walls need paint. The chairs are wrecked. The dog on it needs a bath. Brandon looks up at Henry and the word bath. I think dogs hate the word bath almost as much as the word vet. Speaking of vets, um, I had paused this earlier because I wanted to give the vet a call to find out about Quinn's blood work. Good thing. Everything's fine. Everything is working great. No issues. I am very happy. She had the same thing last year and the year before. Blood work was excellent. I am taking very good care of my little girl. So, yep. Henry realizes he's overreacting and says she's just coming over here for pictures. Nothing more. She couldn't care less how this apartment looks. The doorbell rings and Henry turns to Punky yelling at her, Don't just sit there! Clean! And she hops off the couch and clears all of the newspapers and other stuff away from the couch. Henry tells her to act casual as he answers the door. Maggie's standing there in the hall wearing a gray off-white fur coat and he asks her inside. Henry tells her she looks sensational, and Punky tells her she has a great coat, and Maggie asks if she wants to try it on. Punky says she doesn't know how does it work. Maggie tells her, oh, you just sling it on and go. This reminds me of a time when I worked at Hollywood Video back in probably 2003 or 2004, and this nice lady very nice lady came in. She was a regular and she was wearing a fur coat. And she asked me if I wanted to try it on. I did and I was swimming in it. It was really, really big. I said, oh yeah, it's nice. But she's like, oh no, no, no. Step outside to get the full effect. You know, I think it was probably really cold out or snowing by then. So I did step outside the store and the coat kept me warm. She seriously must have really trusted me. Which, she could, so. Punky tries on the coat and walks back and forth past the the length of the living room couch. And she is literally swimming in that coat. I'm surprised it didn't swallow her whole. Henry shows Maggie her passport photo. Deluxe mat, no charge. Did they not have glossy back then? Or that probably wouldn't have worked for a passport photo. Speaking of photos... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Back when they still were, still were developing 35mm film, Jeremy's mom would come across some really racy photos when developing film at Rite Aid. Some were really gross. People taking naked pictures of themselves. Ugh, I, I'm glad I didn't have that job. <laughs> she tells him that she might not need the passport photo at all. Oh, uh, I see. But then he looks at the pictures and then at her. No, I, I don't. He thinks she doesn't like the pictures and he took that he took. When he asks, you don't like it? Look, satin finish. She tells him it's very nice, but she might not be going to Europe after all. Somehow, Chicago has never seemed lovelier. 
and she she tells him, and he's still distracted by the photos that he took. She mentions she read in the paper how Alfredo uh, Enio Enino something is opening in Labolim. I don't know what that is. And she asks Henry if he is still in if he's still an opera buff. Well, judging by tonight's performance in the kitchen, I'd say he surely still is. He tells her the pictures are too good for a passport photo and they should be enlarged and hung in a gallery. Punky tells Maggie to excuse her and Henry as she takes him by the hand and leads him into the kitchen. She's still wearing the coat, which means she's probably stepping on it with her shoes as she's walking into the kitchen. She should have taken it off after walking back and forth in the living room. Maggie sits on the couch and overhears Punky say loudly from the kitchen, she's not being very subtle or quiet about it, that Maggie wants Henry to ask her to the opera. She does? Henry asks surprised. Henry, come on, guy, let's get with it now, huh? Yes, Punky tells him, and he suddenly realizes, oh, and comes back into the living room and sits down next to Maggie on the couch and tells her he has season tickets to the opera and invites her to see the play, which I cannot pronounce, sounds like Labolem, Labolem, something like that. Punky informs him that it's a date, and Henry and Maggie look at each other and repeat the words, it's a date. They are like a couple of love-struck teenagers again with stars in their eyes. She gets up, heading to the door, saying how she has to cancel her traveling plans, and she leaves. He closes the door, and Punky exclaims, Henry, you're going on a date! And he shouts, yippee! As he thrusts his fists in the air, and they hug. I don't think I've ever seen Henry this happy since the day he won custody of Punky. In the next scene, we see Punky, Cherry, and Alan come through the front door with bottles, which they deposit on the coffee table. Uh, oh, looks like Punky's scheming again, but it looks like a good kind of scheming. The kids are all bundled up in winter coats. It's almost summer here in uh, Michigan. I don't even want to think about winter right now. Cherry looks at Punky and complains how they've been collecting bottles for over two hours. Ugh, brr, two hours? And she asks why. She tells them how they know that Henry have been and Maggie have been dating for over a month. Wow. Seriously, a month has passed? You mean Snuggums and Boo Boo? Alan tells her, covering the giggles escaping from his mouth. Um, when I was writing the notes, I looked to Jeremy and said, Hey, it looks like Alan got our hair cut. It's looks less un- It's less unkept looking and shorter. Good for him. Good for Alan rocking that short hair. About time. He needed that haircut. Uh, Punky tells him that Henry and Maggie are in love. And Cherry asks if she thinks they'll get married. Punky says she hopes so. She's real nice. Alan adds how she's real friendly, and Cherry pipes in how she's got a limo. She tells them how if they got married, they'll be a family. She'll have a dad and a mom. And a limo, Cherry adds excitedly. (laughs) What's with the limo, guys? I don't think I've ever been in one. Punky tells them all she has to do is get Henry to ask her. 
Cherry asks her how she's going to pull that off, and Punky tells them that's why that's where Cherry and Alan come into play. In the hallway, we hear laughter as Maggie and Henry come around the corner and they see colored construction paper signs pointing with an arrow. This way to good eats and the next signs say you're getting warmer. You're real hot now. The next sign on, is on the door and it says, Welcome to Luigi's, home of Punky Pizza. Please ring for service. Maggie rings the doorbell and the door opens and we see Punky dressed as a waiter in a black vest and imitating an Italian accent. They come inside and Maggie plays along, saying how they don't have a reservation. Do you have room for us? And Punky looks around saying, well, we're awful busy. And then she points to an empty checkercloth table in the center of the living room that's all decked out. This reminds me of season three of One Tree Hill when Brooke Davis recorded Haley talking about her in Nathan's early days so she could put together a play and have their friends act out all the scenes of the early days of their courtship, you know, before they renewed their vows because Haley and Nathan were already married. So then they wanted to renew, you know, their vows so all their friends and their family could be at the wedding. Because their first wedding was just them, Haley's parents, and a justice of the peace. Because they were only 17, getting married at the time. It was so sweet in how Punky's doing something similar to get Henry and Maggie to reconnect. She pulls out their chairs and they sit down as she hands them their menus and tells them their waitress will be right out to take their order. Henry looks at the menu and says, Veal pajamas? Like, what is this? Maggie corrects him, saying it's meant to be veal parmigiana instead of veal pajamas. <laughs> Henry chuckles at this and he tells her that sounds good, and with that, he'll order the uncle and auntie pasta. That's cute. Punky comes out from the bottom half of the kitchen door and she tells them she's their waitress, Sophina. And she's got a cute little um, construction paper uh, little head on the top of her head. She tells them, that, uh, blah, 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 asks if she can take their order. And Maggie asks what Punky recommends. And Punky suggests Punky Pizza and Grape Kool-Aid, saying how it's the best thing they make. Then a beat later admits, uh, well, actually, it's the only thing that they make. Henry asks about the rest of the menu, and Punky tells him that's history. I would have said, oh, that it's just for looks, or oh, it doesn't exist, it's only for show. <laughs> Maggie tells Henry she has a great taste for Punky pizza and grape Kool-Aid, and Henry agrees, telling Punky to make it too. She tells him it's a great choice, and then shouts at the kitchen door and tells Luigi to make Punky pizza for two. Cherry shouts back, coming right up! Punky offers to pour their drinks. She pours the Kool-Aid out of a measuring cup, and they both take a sip. Maggie's face, as she drinks it, you'd think she had swallowed a lemon. And the same goes for Henry as well. Maggie just smiles, saying, Excellent, just the right hint of grape. Yes, and a good three pounds of sugar, too, Henry adds. Well, who knows if they even have their own teeth at this point. I'm kidding, guys. But still, yeah, that's too much sugar. She could be sending them into diabetic shock right now. Cherry comes out with punky, the punky pizzas, and it's basically... Hold on a second. What's going on here? 
Yeah, I just got a text message letting me know about my uh, dental cleaning next Monday. Um, hmm, sorry. And it's basically a uh, punky pizza consists of an English muffin topped with bologna, shredded cheese, ketchup, pickles, olives, and then cherry's secret ingredient, which looks more like either a ga- uh, grape or a cough drop lozenge. Her secret ingredient is gum. It looks really nasty, guys. It, I even put a picture of it on Instagram and Facebook on the Punky Power fan page and also on Twitter so you can see just how undelectable it looks. I really hope Henry took Maggie out to eat before they came back because I definitely want more than that to eat. That That's a snack. Granted, I wouldn't be expecting the kids to cook a three-course meal, but honestly, I'd take a PB&J sandwich over that. Punky tells them not to let it get cold, and Maggie looks nervously at Henry as they both lift up the Punky pizzas to their mouths. They both look like it's the worst thing they've ever put in their mouth, and the girls head back to the kitchen, and Maggie makes a disgusted face. She turns to Henry in horror as she sees him blowing a bubble from the gum, but then she laughs at the absurdity. Maggie tells Henry how thoughtful it was of Punky and Cherry to go through all that trouble, and Henry tells her yes, it was. They're good kids. Henry suggests they toast to Luigi's Punky Pizza and, of course, to them. Then we hear the strains. Oh, for heaven's sake. Yeah, I already got the message. They can leave me alone now. Alright, then we hear the strains of a violin as we see Alan come in dressed like a pirate, playing badly, I might add, the violin. And Henry tells him... No, screams at him, ENOUGH! And Alan Alan tells him he's Zoltan, the gypsy violinist, and for a quarter, I'll play you a song. Henry hands him a dollar and tells him to leave. He says, thanks, Mr. Warnemont, and he, he leaves. He heads out. They laugh at that, and then in the kitchen, we see Punky thanking Cherry for her hard work, and that Henry can handle it on his own from there. Cherry tells her goodnight and kisses her on the cheek and leaves, but not before taking one of her own Punky pizzas and biting into it, saying, you know what? These really are good. Good for you, Cherry. Good for you. You love your own creation. That's great. Punky comes out of the kitchen yawning and tells Henry and Maggie she's headed to bed for the night because she's bushed and tells them the meal is on the house and hands him some hands something to Henry telling him he may need this and she leaves heading for the doorway to the hall but not before turning the lights down low and setting a potted plant behind on the table behind the couch he shows Maggie what Punky gave him which is a ring, and tells her how subtlety has never been Punky's strong suit. Maggie thinks Punky's wonderful, and Henry agrees. Henry tells Maggie he told Punky about their last night together at Luigi's, and it seems like Punky wanted to bring the magic of that night back by recreating it for them. Maggie asks, why did she bring you a ring? Henry explains that he was planning on proposing to her that night, and she says, You were? Surprise, uh, 
she says surprised. We see Punky sneaking out of the hall behind the plant to eavesdrop. Henry tells her yes, and he even remembers the speech he had prepared, and she tells him she'd love to hear it. Guys, I'm going to play that clip for you because it is so sweet. And I will be right back. A ring. <laughs> Subtlety has never been Punky's strong suit. I think she's wonderful. Thank you, so do I. I told her about our last night together at Luigi's. I guess she wanted to recreate it for us. But, uh, why did she bring you a ring? Well, the truth is, I was going to propose to you that night. You were? Yes. In fact, I still remember the speech I had prepared. I love to hear it. Snuggums, I know our parents think of us as just two crazy kids, but I knew you were the woman for me as soon as I saw you in Latin Club. <laughs> I figured, with my summer job and your tips at Rollerburger, we could make a go of it. If we lived over your folks' garage. What I'm trying to say is... Margaret, I love you. Will you marry me? Yes, Henry, I will. You mean then or now? Are you asking me now? Yes. I'm asking you now. Will you marry me? I will. At the end of the proposal, we see Punky jumping up and down in celebration behind the plant. He places the ring on Maggie's finger. It's a toy ring, by the way, and they kiss. Maggie excitedly gets up and tells Henry they have so much time to make up for it, and Henry tells her that they should set the date as soon as possible. And Maggie suggests in the spring, so they can honeymoon in Europe. They'll take the Concorde to Paris and ride the Orient Express to Istanbul. And Henry tells her that's wonderful before it dawns on him that Punky's still in school. We'll have to wait till summer. Maggie tells him, no, they won't. She has a solution. She knows of a lovely boarding school in Switzerland and how her niece goes there too. And she adores it. In the midst of this, we see Punky's pained expression. Henry is shocked at this idea, immediately vetoing it and shutting it down. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Punky is only his foster daughter, not his adopted daughter. So, I don't think she can even leave the state of Illinois at the moment. Plus, isn't that the way of some new stepmothers back in the day in books and TV shows? I believe I saw in, like, Problem Child 2, uh, the new soon-to-be stepmother was going to send Junior Healy to a boarding school or a reform school in Baghdad. 
That basically being like their first staff to ship the child, said child off to a boarding school in another country to make time with the new hubby and travel. Henry says no, he wants Punky with him. And she tells him they can see her on all the holidays. And Henry says, forget it. Maggie explains that Punky will have the best education possible. Yeah, right. I'm sure that's why you suggested it. She goes on to see to say they'll be able to travel the world and spend some time by themselves and tells him to face the fact that they're at an age where it's difficult for them to keep up with an eight-year-old and they could use a little help. Um, Maggie, I think he's handled it well so far for the last six months. He'll be fine. Henry admits to Maggie that he'd want nothing more to the, than to see the world with her, but... You know, it would be a dream come true, but he is Punky's foster father, and he took on the responsibility for raising her. As long as, And as long as she's here, that's exactly what he's going to do, even if it means losing Maggie. He walks into the kitchen, and she follows him. Punky goes into her room and leans down to pet Brandon, telling him how it looks like it's time for them to hit the road again. And how she doesn't want to stand in the way of Henry and Maggie getting married. The first time it was Pearl Harbor. This time it won't be Punky Brewster. That is really sad. You know, in this whole season, I mean, we're already on episode 15. So we are like at least seven or eight episodes away from the end of season one. And I can't even begin to tell you how many times that Punky has either ran away or she's left or she's been said that, you know, it's time for them to head out. It's I, I've lost count, guys. Punky and Brandon walk through the hall as we hear Maggie in the kitchen telling Henry that she only wants what's best for Punky. No, you don't want her best interests. Your Her best interests are not your intentions. I'm sorry, Maggie. By giving her a quality of life, and Henry fires back that he, she has a quality of life here with him. Maggie tells him she understands, and Henry tells her then she should understand that he has no plans to ship her off to some boarding school, that Punky and him are staying together. Punky pulls the picture of her and Henry that they first took when they first got together off the wall and leaves the apartment. She quickly looks back, then shuts the door, and we see in yellow letters to be continued. I love Punky's rainbow bright looking coat and bag, and I would have loved that as a child. She actually, I think she wears a, a little bit in season two as well. Alright guys, that is the end of part one. So basically, I'm going to be doing all the end of the episode stuff. It's going to be at the end of part two. I'm going to be kind of going through. My rating is going to be judged on the two episodes as one whole episode. So, um, and part two, Punky takes off and she meets up with a homeless guy named Zach. A homeless kid. He looks to be about 14. He's not a man. Don't worry. It's not going to go in that direction. Alright, so now we're in the apartment building the hallway as we see Cherry sneak down the stairs to meet Punky. She whispers Punky's name from the side of the banister and Punky whispers back that she's down here. Punky asks what took her so long and Cherry says she had to wait till her grandma fell asleep 
which she did when Merv Griffin came on. Well, you can definitely show this show, definitely tell the show is dated. I mean, not just that it took place in like 85, but that, yeah, Merv Griffin, back when he was on, you know. I don't think I watched Merv Griffin as a kid. She asked Punky if Henry proposed to Maggie, and she says yes. And Cherry cheers loudly, but Punky quiets her, telling her that they ended up in a big fight over Punky. She explains to Cherry that Maggie wants to send Punky to boarding school, so she and Henry will be free to travel the world. Henry got mad telling Maggie that he has to stay with Punky, and Punky says as long as she stays with Henry, he will never get married, and that's why she has to split. And Cherry asks her where she's going to go, and Punky tells her west. Cherry asks why west, and Punky admits she wants to buy a ranch. And uh, Cherry asks, do you have enough to buy a ranch? Punky pats her pocket, telling her she has $8, and Cherry asks if that will be enough. Punky says, sure, things are always cheaper if you pay in cash. I've, I don't think I've ever heard that logic before <laughs> in my life. Um, Cherry sadly tells Punky she'll never see her again. And Punky offers Cherry the opportunity to come, come down to her ranch and punch cows together. I think maybe she means tip cows? Cherry admits she's never punched cows and nervously asks if they punch back. Punky informs Cherry that punching the cows doesn't get them angry. That's how you get milk out of them. Punky asks Cherry to look out for Henry for her because he has a tricky gallbladder and if he's not careful, he'll get gallstones. She calls them ballstones, but... She tells Punky that she will, and Punky gives Cherry the most favoritest thing in the world next to Brandon, her dog. It's Punky's skate key. I wonder, you know, do we ever find out the symbolism or, you know, the meaning behind her skate key? I've always wondered that. Was it something that maybe her mom gave her from when her mother was a girl or something like that? Cherry thanks her and puts it around her neck. Cherry for a second feels bad because she has nothing to give Punky but then realizes she has a half-eaten cupcake in the pocket of her robe and hands it to Punky saying she hasn't gotten to the cream filling yet because she was, you know, in the middle of eating it when she was on the phone with Punky. Punky tells her she has to go now as they stand up and Punky tells Cherry she's the best friend a girl ever had. And Cherry tells Punky the same, and that she's really going to miss her. Punky tells her she'll miss Cherry as well. And you can probably tell from my voice that I'm getting a little choked up right now, because this was a sad scene. Cherry walks away as they say goodbye, then we see Punky's sad face. Punky turns around, calling Cherry's name, and they run to embrace each other. That's sweet. And then they kiss each other goodbye. Hmm. Um, I had to kind of watch it a second time, because they kissed goodbye on the mouth. There's nothing wrong with that. I was just surprised. I mean, did young girls do that back then? I can't remember kissing any of my female friends goodbye. 
when I was their age, and that was in 1989 and 1990 when I was 7 and 8, so right around their age, so, I don't know. Punky heads back down the hallway, and Cherry heads upstairs. Cherry hangs on the banister in tears. This is breaking my heart. Cherry Johnson is a very good actress, especially when it comes to crying scenes. I have to say, she may even be better than Soleil, who plays Punky. Henry and Maggie go to Punky's room and find a note that tells them to look in the toy chest she has left. In the note, she tells them to check the closet for the rest of the message. Oh, basically, in the note, she says, you know, she doesn't want to stand in their way of their happiness. So, she and she goes on to tell them that now that she's gone, they can travel the world, France, China, even New Jersey. And how, with her out of the picture, she hopes they will be very happy together. And that as a foster dad, on a scale of 1 to 10, he's a 10,000. And also that she loves him. <clears throat> Maggie thinks it's her fault Punky left. And Henry says, no, it's his fault. And then he tells her that it's nobody's fault. And then he admits that before Punky came to live with him, she was abandoned by her mother. And Maggie now understands why he didn't want to send her away to a boarding school. Well, Maggie, that's one way to look at it. Or maybe Henry's previous statement of committing to being her foster father is why he didn't want to send her away. Henry thinks she hasn't been gone long, and maybe he can catch up to her. They run out of the living room, or they run out of her room into the living room. Henry tells Maggie to stay there in case Punky comes, calls or comes back. Henry's wearing Maggie's coat and she informs him of that as she helps him out of it. And then he puts on her hat as he walks out the door. Now we're outside this sh shanty structure. Uh, inside, I'm guessing maybe it might be a junkyard. There's a lot of abandoned cars and stuff all around. We see Punky and Brandon walking around outside, and she's got her arms kind of wrapped around herself, kind of rubbing, you know, up and down, rubbing her arms. She tells Brandon she's so tired, and she lays down for a bit. Brandon goes and and inside the tent, like structure, then comes back out, and he pulls her hat off her head wake her up and then she follows him before she goes in she hesitates and tells brandon if he remembers the story of goldilocks and the three bears and he barks and she tells him that's right the only bears in chicago are the chicago cubs she walks in calling out hello and getting no response as she walks around we see a couple of junked out cars, one of which the back of a hatchback is being used for a bed. And a couple of seats um, are set up like a couch on the floor alongside a kerosene lamp set up on milk crates. Punky walks over to see what's like, what looks like a space heater. And it looks like Brandon jumped into the back of the car with the makeshift sleeping quarters. That boy wasted, that dog wasted no time jumping up there. Punky continues to walk around, and she notices how a place set up like this has to already belong to someone. Someone's already staying there. Out of nowhere, a flannel-covered arm reaches down and grabs Punky by the shoulder. Punky pulls her arm back, karate chops his hand away, saying, Hiya! Good girl, Punky. Defend yourself. That girl, she can take care of herself. 
The arm belongs to a street urchin runaway who just looks at Punky and says, Hiya. The guy looks to be about 14, so he's a boy. And he's got a lion's mane of dark cascading curls, wearing what looks like a faux Sherpa seat cover along with a knit gray scarf and a red-checked long sleeve shirt. He definitely looks like he's ready for winter. He tells her to relax, he's not a weirdo. And she throws that back at him, pointing out that only weirdos say that because that's what makes them weirdos. They introduce themselves as Zack and Punky, and then they sit down to a cup of soup and three-fourths of a chocolate cupcake that Cherry gave Punky. Back at the apartment, Maggie's on the phone with Margot's mom and tells her to call if she hears anything from Punky, and then hangs up just as Henry walks in, asking if Punky's back and startles Maggie in the process. Henry tells her that they live in a sick, sick world because when he approached people to ask if they'd seen Punky, they just looked at him and laughed. Well, judging by his head, I'm not that surprised. They probably thought he was a loon. Maggie pulls her hat off his head and shows it to him, making him realize the reason the strangers were not taking him seriously. There's a knock at the door and Betty comes in with Cherry and tells Cherry she tells them Cherry knows where Punky is. Henry gets down on Cherry's level and puts his arm around her and tells her if she knows something about Punky's whereabouts, she needs to tell them. Cherry asks if he's going to spank Punky and he tells her no. And then she turns to Betty and asks if she will spank her and Betty tells her no. You know, in TV today, the idea of disciplining a child physically, spanking would not even come up. More than likely, they would just be grounded. The only time I saw this in a TV show was on the show Roseanne. It was season 6, episode 11, The Driver's Seat, which aired on November 30th, 1993. So we were pretty much in the 90s here. We see Roseanne spank her 12-year-old son, DJ, for stealing the family car, going on a a joyride with it, and and he ends up crashing it in a ditch. I don't mean she spanks him once on the butt. She really leads into him, giving him at least four or five whacks before her sister Jackie and husband Dan step in to intervene before she gets more out of control. Thus bringing us Roseanne and Jackie's cycle of child abuse that they endured while they were growing up. I'm sorry to be a downer, but I was just surprised to hear Cherry ask that. I mean, I got spanked as a child, and sometimes my dad did go overboard, even once using his belt. You know, he and I, we don't talk about that now, but I always remember the fear I felt at knowing what was coming. Henry asks where she went, and Cherry finally admits, after looking at each of the three adults in the eye, that Punky went west. That's not a lot to go on there. Um, <laughs> now we head back to the shack. We see Brandon eating soup out of a bowl, and Zach asks how Punky came up with a name like Brandon. And then they get into a conversation of why they both ran away, and Zach's story is really, really sad. I'm going to play this clip between them because I think the part of how Brandon got his name is really funny, but also we get to hear Zach's story too. So I am going to play that for you guys and I will be right back. 
So, how'd you uh, come up with a name like Brandon? I named him after the guy who played Superman's father, Milo Brandon. <laughs> That's Marlon Brando. It is? <laughs> Shh, don't tell her. D-O-G. Okay. So, uh, what's the story behind uh, you and Superman's father here? We ran away from home. Well, I figured. But, uh, what was the problem? It was in the way. Oh. Did you have to sleep in a teeny room with a bunch of smelly brothers and sisters? No. I had my own room. It was really neat. Then your dad probably yelled at you all the time, right? No. He's the nicest, sweetest man in the whole world. I left because he wants to get married. I get it. She's a mean old bag who hates you. No, she's nice and pretty and very rich and likes to buy me lots of neat things. Let me get this straight. Your dad's the nicest guy in the world, and the woman he wants to marry is rich and likes to buy you nice things? Yeah. And you ran away from home? Yeah. Where are you, nuts? You just don't understand. Henry won't get married because he's stuck with me. That is the worst reason I've ever heard for running away from home. Well, what's a good reason? I could give you a hundred. From personal experience. You ran away from home, too? No, I'm just here on the junkyard exchange program. <laughs> Why did you run away from home? Because bad things were happening at my house. What kind of things? Just bad things. Things that I don't want to talk about right now, okay? Anyway, I can't go home. But you can. No, I can't. Henry says when you make up your bed, you have to lie in it. Punky. Speaking of bed, aren't you tired? No. I am too. I'm. <laughs> Listen, kid, your old man must be real worried about you. So why don't you just tell me where you live, and I'll take you home. I wish you could talk. Punky's passed out asleep on the makeshift car seat couch. And Zach ruffles Brandon's fur, probably looking for his ID tags. We see Zack stirring a pot and Punky begins to wake up and asks what smells so good. He tells her it's a type of hot chocolate, a harvest mocha blend. Punky thanks Zack for being a good friend, giving her a place to stay and cocoa. And as she says no one would ever think to look to find her there, suddenly Henry and Maggie pop their heads inside and Henry calls her name. Punky! Angrily, he tells Punky he should take her over his knee. But first, he wraps her in a hug. Like, oh, let me hold you. She asks what they're doing there, and Henry tells her, what do you think we're doing here? Punky says, you got eloped and came to tell me the good news? He tells her, no, they're there to take her home. Maggie thinks, thanks Zach for calling them, and Punky turns to Zach saying, you called them? But how did you know my phone number? Zach tells her, Brandon told him. 
Punky tells him, shocked that she knew he was smart, but not that smart. He tells her the f- num. He got the number off of Brandon's dog tag. He got on the phone to Henry and gave him some directions to the place. Henry scoffs. Some directions. Turn right at the burned out Studebaker. Hang a left at the old's cutlass. And look behind the pile of pintos. Maggie admits they drove right past the pintos. And Zach tells her most people do. Maybe it's because pintos suck as a car and catch on fire if you crash into the bumper apparently. I mean, we've, if we've all seen Cujo, we know that uh, the mother and son, that's what they're trapped in, is a pinto. Punky turns to Zack, asking why he ratted on her, and he tells her he did her a favor, and that she shouldn't have run away. She tells him he ran away, and he has a great life. Henry looks at Zack, kind of mentally, kind of urging him, like, you should tell Punky the truth, what it's really like. And Zack informs Punky that even though it might seem great after one night, he says, try being out here for six months. My Six months, my God, that boy is still lucky to be alive. He's very lucky to still be alive. Zack gets down on Punky's level and tells how one time he got sick and there was no one there to take care of him. He tells her that a lot of people will try to take advantage of runaways. He tells her also that he's been robbed, beat up, and most nights he goes to sleep hun- hungry. He also tells her to be grateful she has a choice about going home, because he doesn't. And he would trade places with her in a second. Henry tells Punky that they should they should head home. And she tells him she'll just be in the way. And he asks, in the way of what? And she says, of you and Maggie getting married. He tells her that they both agree that she should not go to boarding school. Punky shouts, Yippee! And asks if that means they're getting married. And Henry and Maggie say in unison, No. You're not? Punky asks surprised. And Maggie tells her that she and Henry have several differences that need to be resolved. Things that have nothing to do with Punky. And they decided not to jump into marriage. That's right. May things, maybe things will work out for us, or maybe not. Maybe I'll have other lady friends at this. Maggie's like, what? Henry quickly adds, or not. <laughs> he walks over to Punky and tells her no matter what happens, he doesn't want her to ever run away again. Okay. And Punky apologizes and tells him she'll, well, he says, okay. And Punky apologizes and tells him she'll never run away again. And she hugs him. Zack stands up and tells her, way to go, short stuff. And they shake hands. Henry thanks Zack as well. Maggie asks Zack if he thinks maybe he should go home, that his parents might be worried. And he tells her that the only thing they're worried about is that he might come back. Maggie tells him that he should give them a call anyway, and she suggests right now, because she has a phone in her limo. Well, she said the magic word, because he immediately jumps up at that. Punky adds, yeah, a Rollers Royce! Punky adds, she adds. Zach says he wouldn't mind making a call from there, and suggests they take the car for a spin after. Henry tells him after that they can stop by Fenster Hall so Zach can have a warm meal and a nice bed for the night. 
Is Fenster Hall a 24-hour thing where you can just show up at any hour of the night and, you know, drop a child off? I mean, I hope so. I hope that's how it works. Zach bets he'll be the first kid to show up in a rolls, and Maggie tells him there's only one way to find out. And he asks if he can drive, and Maggie asks, uh, Maggie asks if he can drive. And Zach says, well, there's only one way to find out. And Maggie chuckles. He offers his arm to Maggie, and they walk out together. Henry kneels down to Punky's level and asks if she's ready to go home. He tells her home is where the heart is. And she tells him she thinks home is where Henry is. Aww. Punky calls to Brandon, and they head out. Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing that place burns down overnight because that space heater is still plugged in. Yikes. Uh, don't ever, 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 if you are going somewhere and you have a space heater, make sure it is unplugged. If you are not in the room, if you're going to bed, you check, you make sure that space heater is unplugged. So you don't have any accidents. Guys, that is my safety message to you. I know we're heading into summer now. It's not something you think about, but believe you me. You know, we had a, a small little fan heater thing. We always, we, we really don't even have it running that long. I don't even think we used about maybe once or twice this winter. And that was only for maybe like a half hour, an hour tops. But we were in the living room while it was running. Alright, that's the end of the episodes, peeps. Now it's time for my Brandon Tailwag ra- uh, Brandon Tailwag episode rating. Now since I said it's two episodes, I'm judging it as one whole episode. I'm, I'm giving it five out of five Brandon Tailwags. One for Henry and Maggie's meet-cute after all those years. Two... For Punky and her friends setting up a fancy dinner for Henry and Maggie, and also the costumes the kids wore were so cute. Three, for Punky and Cherry's tearful goodbye. Four, for Zach looking out for Punky and taking care of her and also calling Henry. Five, for Maggie and Henry to convince Zach to call his parents and convince him to stay at Fenster Hall for the night. Now it's time for my Punky's principles. Okay. Having a new person enter your life, like a new step-parent, or maybe you have a single parent who's started dating and getting serious about somebody, is no reason to run away. Even if um, you feel that you have good intentions for doing so. I'm going to tell you guys a story. Back when I was 17... My dad first started dating Pam, who's this very nice lady. I didn't like her at first. She wasn't mean or anything. She, in fact, was the sweetest person in the world. She still is, almost 28 years later. I didn't like what she represented for my family. Me and my dad, I mean, because my sister was, well, already moved out of the house by then, and she already had a couple kids. Um, you know, she made him happy. And my dad hadn't been happy in a long, long time. He was always in a bad mood. But I wasn't looking for a replacement mom, and she wasn't looking to be a replacement. 
you know, that's a big change for any young person to have to deal with, especially if their family is broken up and they're dealing with a new person entering their lives. I made things very hard for Pam at first. I was rude to her. I feel bad for saying it now. I even made her cry on one occasion, which I felt absolutely horrible after I did. We both look back on it now and chuckle at how much of a brat I was. But she's always been there for me and my family, and I talk to her on a weekly basis as well as my dad. I guess overall what I'm trying to say is people come in and out of our lives for all sorts of reasons. Some good, some not so good. But it's up to us on how we handle it. In the case of Zach's situation, I never ran away, or at least I wouldn't call it that. I was 19, and my dad and I really weren't getting along. We were fighting all the time. It was around December of 2001. I had already graduated from high school that June. So I had moved in with my friend Jerry until just before Christmas. And then in February of 2002, my dad had helped me get my own apartment so I could learn how to live on my own. You know, he even said to me, he said, you know, if it were up to me, I would let you live forever, but I'm not going to be around forever, and you are going to have to learn to make it on your own. I'm happy that Zach met Maggie and Henry, and they helped him hopefully turn his life around. Even if he is a fictional character, I still wish him the best. Now it's time for punky peeps around the world. Let's give a shout out to some new listeners from the U.S. We have Florence, South Carolina, Inglewood, California, and returning listeners, Seattle, Washington, and Muskegon, Michigan. And this morning when I logged on, I saw a couple other new listeners as well. Malden, Massachusetts, and College Park, Maryland. I also want to give a sincere thank you to all of you listeners out there. My timer's going to go off in a second, so I'm going to shut it off right now. <clears throat> I want to give a sincere thank you to all the you listeners out there, whether you're signed in or whether you're not. Usually, when a person is signed in, I can see where they're coming from, so that's how I'm, I'm giving shout-outs to people from whatever state or country they live in. So if you guys want a shout out, just, you know, sign in, create an account, whatever. You know, it's absolutely free. So, yeah. So, um, you know, whether you listen to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other listening platforms that you may use to hear this podcast, I love giving you guys the episode recaps of Punky Brewster every week. And for you... Joining me as I go into full detail describing Punky's many adventures and shenanigans with Henry, Brandon, and her friends, as well as giving my own running commentary and childhood stories. <clears throat> also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes, rate and review, and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. The more rates and reviews this podcast gets, the easier it is for other people to see that it's out there. So tell your family and friends. This is a family-friendly podcast to be listened to by all. Also, if you go to my social media site, which you can access using the links on my SoundCloud account, Punky Power on Unofficial Punky Brewster Podcast, I post throughout the week listener and episode trivia questions for upcoming episodes on my social media sites. If you'd like to become an honorary Punky Peep of the Week, and, hmm, sorry, 
and all, plus crown and all. I give you guys a crown. I will give you a special post on Instagram and Facebook. As well as, you know, you'll have, a, like I said, a special congratulations post on all my Punky Power social media platforms. All you gotta do is just answer the tr- listener and episode trivia questions posted on my social media sites. And those are as follows. Facebook, Power, uh, Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. We have Instagram, Punky PB Podcast. Twitter, also Punky PB Podcast. Tumblr, Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. Gmail. For those of you that want to email me with episode and bonus episode answers, or tell me what Punky Brewster means to you, if you watched it as a child and have introduced it to your child, or anything Punky related, as well as praise for this podcast. Next Monday, June 19th to be in fact, actually I think it's going to hopefully go out Sunday, because June 19th I have my uh, dental cleaning, so... I will be reviewing Season 1, Episode 17, My Aged Valentine. Where, after getting in trouble for slugging a boy at school, Punky dreams of life 80 years into the future, where everyone has found love except her. I'm gonna be honest, guys, this is really my least favorite episode of season one. I'm still doing it, but I just thought it was, eh, it was a little, if I had to rate it, I'd probably rate it a, a two. Well, until next time, Punky peeps. For you listeners out there, you have a wonderful, great week. I know it's Monday. Garfield hates Mondays. I'm not a fan of Mondays either, unless something good is happening. Well, all right. I will see you next Monday. Have a great week, guys. And Punky on!